0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of OT Takes, Overtime Takes, whatever you really want to call it. Once again, I have the great Zach Gray with me here today. What's up, man?
1: I'm back.
0: <laughs> All right, so today, the line's pretty short, but we're going to go pretty in-depth on both of them, I think, just from our, our previous conversation talking about today's show. So we're going to kick it off with The Last Dance, and then from there, we're going to talk about the big news in the NFL Andy Dalton signing a one-year deal with the Dallas Cowboys but first uh, the last dance so give me your your thoughts on it Zach I know you said that you had some uh some some issues with it
1: I'm out I'm just gonna I'm I'm over it uh it was cool for a little bit I thought these last two episodes were um extremely rushed man I felt like they just put a bunch of highlights together uh and called it a documentary and they released it just because of uh of the current uh, climate in the world today. So I feel like they rushed it. Uh, the first two episodes were great. Three and four got a little worse for me, and then I'm kind of out after after the last two.
0: Yeah, six and seven were, or five and six, excuse me. Five and six, I agree, definitely were not as good. You know, for me, a few years ago, they, they came out with a documentary on the 1992 Dream Team, and I've already seen that. And so for me, a lot of the stuff that they said about the dream team, I kind of already knew because I I'd seen this other documentary, so that wasn't really new. Uh, okay, the Jordan shoe thing was cool. Like you can like kind of seeing how that happened, I thought that was cool. It goes to show that you should always listen to your mom because that deal never happens <laughs> if he doesn't if he doesn't listen to his mom. I thought that was cool because I think a lot of people di- didn't really know the history of that, especially since like. I feel like he made what Nike basketball is today, just because he was their first basketball athlete. You know, they sell 126 million dollars worth of shoes his first year out. So that's that's a lot of that's a lot of money, man. Especially back then, so I thought I thought that was cool, seeing how he he didn't his agent kind of paved the way into how we have how agents work now in terms of marketing players as a as a solo act in a team sport. So, I think that was, it was kind of cool seeing that. The whole political thing, I don't like to talk politics at all, but that was definitely interesting. What'd you think about, about the, the kind of that part of the the documentary?
1: Well, first off, uh, Jordan trying to go to Adidas is just, it just ruins it for me. I thought he was always a Nike guy, man. And, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I think, I think it's just, I think it's cool to, to see, uh, I mean, Jordan's, the shoe has has shaped American shoe culture and really just culture in in America in general. I think when you look back and you see uh, the one being made, right, and it's like you have no idea the impact that it's about to have. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even like it. He said his foot was bleeding the first time he wore it, and then we look back in 2020, and now if you don't have Jordan's, it's like, what are you doing, you know?
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, that's, that's so true.
1: I mean, when it comes to when it comes to like the the um, the agent stuff, I think I think he just he just paved the way. I think his talent just allowed him to be that that megastar, that superstar. I don't think anybody had the the mixture of the game and the personality and the mystique that he had. So I think uh, I think his agent did a good job marketing him. But uh, when you're Michael Jordan, you really don't need much.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, he even you know they asked him. Like kind of while that happened, he said basically you said he talked about how like you know if he'd been averaging you know two points and three rebounds, none of that ever would have happened, right? <laughs> right. And so I I definitely agree with that. What would you think about the political stuff? Because that just to me that felt really random. Like it's been all about Are you basketball. Me up right now? I'm not. I promise I'm not. <laughs> I promise. I'm yeah. Because <laughs> like I don't I don't like talking about either. But for me, it just kind of felt random. Didn't feel like it really fit. Cause it was like, okay, here's all the stuff on basketball. Here's basketball. Here's here's old Jordan. Oh, by the way, he didn't endorse this black politician in, from who's from North Carolina. And it just felt kind of random. It kind of felt like that episode was kind of there to because they they talk about the gambling in the same episode. I feel like they really kind of use that episode to be like, hey, like you know, N- Nick Wright talks about it all the time. Like we see Michael Jordan as like this gaudy kind of figure. And it's like they use this episode to be like, hey, you know, he wasn't perfect. Here's everything that he did wrong.
1: Right, and I don't know if you remember the last time I was on, I, I kind of said the same thing about like that mystique and that, that lore about him. Yeah. Um, but as far as the, the politic part, um, I mean, I, he said it in the documentary, he said he wished he never signed up to be a role model. Uh, I don't think he owes it to anyone to have an opinion on, on anything like that. Um, I don't think that even... Uh, other people calling him out on it. I don't think it matters. Uh, his opinion is his opinion and his uh the way he the way he thinks is different than the way other people think and um, if he if he doesn't have an opinion, I think he said something about how he's not uh, informed on it or he doesn't know much about it. So why would you want someone to to speak about it especially someone of that magnitude if if they don't know about it? Um, I think that in those situations, uh, we look at our athletes right and we want them to we want them to take a super hard stance and and i'm not like me personally it's like if you don't have an opinion on it fine i'm not looking at you for my for your political statements i'm watching you turn like shoot a fadeaway
0: like <laughs> yeah i 100% agree and i think that one of the things that you know i liked that michael jordan did is like he didn't really he was like look like this is what i thought he's and I think you're right like you know he even mentions in, in the documentary like he's like I'm not gonna about t- about to talk to some dude I've never even met right and so I thought that was really good I think I was you know really b- mature of him as well and I think that's a that's a great ex- explanation right and then you know they they talk about the comment you know Republicans buy shoes too or whatever and
1: amazing it, comment let's oh just, it's let's fantastic
0: and just the fact that like like he's on a bus with like Scotty Pippen and like his teammates <laughs> so you know that yeah, they were probably joking around about it.
1: Right, nothing Being, said on that bus is going to be like super duper serious. Like, yeah, if you've ever been on a bus with a bunch of your teammates, like you're you're just saying stuff, man. Like you're literally just saying like the funniest, like random thing that comes to your head. Exactly. Like, I don't think that was meant to be like a a concrete, solid statement from him. <laughs> I
0: don't. I don't either. I just think that you know, it's just him playing around on the bus, like like a normal twenty-something-year-old. Would, would do even
1: if right and even if that is his his opinion that there is nothing wrong with it
0: like, there's not like, that, <laughs> like like you said it perfectly like we expect these athletes to take these big stances on things but they don't have to like if like if they just want to play basketball then just let them play basketball
1: now i guess there was like i guess the um the two candidates for what was it senate Governor? i, I think I so know. senate yeah yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess one had a little like history of not being the, the most moral, you know? Yeah. But, um, so, I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously I, I don't know what, I don't know anything about it, but if, I mean, I can understand, I guess, from the other side too, if if there's a bad candidate, someone that isn't progressing forward, um, per se in some issues, yeah. um, I think then maybe you, you might want to, to, to not come out and, and not, support anyone but you know what who cares well like
0: he I said, if, if, I, he he ended up giving money to to the guy's campaign which is that's better than than doing nothing right so i i, I definitely think that it wasn't like he just sat back on the stand and was like man eh, whatever you know like i mean he gave money to help contribute to the guy's campaign which i think that's in a situation where you know he doesn't know know the guy and he doesn't want to speak on speak on it because he doesn't know him i think that's definitely you know, a fair thing to do
1: more than enough in my opinion yeah
0: so there are two players, three players that I want to talk about that were mentioned in the documentary. I just want your opinions on. Okay, Let's so go. the first, the first guy is Isaiah Thomas. What do you think about they? They leave him off the dream team. What do you kind of think about that whole thing?
1: All right, dude. So when I was a little kid, like I started getting into basketball and stuff like that, and, and started like learning about like Magic and Bird and Thomas and all. I I just always thought Isaiah Thomas was kind of weird, like. <laughs> Like, I watched him do interviews and stuff, and I always thought he was just kind of, like, weird. He wasn't, like, I don't know, something about him I just didn't like and this documentary just confirmed that for me that like no like he he was you know how they say like there's guys on your team that like if you play against them you hate them but if they're on your team you love I think everyone just hated him like I like I just think everyone disliked him I don't think he has a a very friendly personality or a very like likable personality I think that I think if one person doesn't like you that's fine but if if all of your peers don't like you like there's something wrong with you
0: yeah I I agree with that you know in the in the other 1992 documentary, just talking about the Dream Team, basically they they paint this picture that the Bad Boy Pistons are who they are because of Isaiah Thomas. Like, like the way that they make it sound is that like they're not they don't play that way unless they have Isaiah Thomas. Like he was he was the ringleader kind of of those guys. And look, people didn't people didn't like the Pistons anyway, right? And just being like the ringleader of that group, I feel like made it worse. And look, like they they show it in the in the Jordan doc, like he got into it with everybody, right? And like you know, you piss enough, you you piss enough people off, like they're not gonna want to play with you, right? He just
1: had a stupid smile on his face when he was arguing with he, people. I don't know. He gets under my skin too. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, he just he comes off like he's just a jerk. He
1: yeah. had the
0: thing with Magic. He had the thing with Bird. So I. And then, so here's the other player that I want to talk about. In he should be on
1: the team, though. Let's just call it. Let's just call it what it is. He should. I don't be, know he though. Should be on the team. I don't know though. He's, he's the second best point guard of all time. If you're going to put everybody on the team, you got to put him on the team too. Uh,
0: okay, so the previous five years leading up to that 1992 dream team, the first team all NBA point guard was John Stockton. All five of those years. So I mean, you know, if it, if the dream team comes out in like '84, sure. Throw Isaiah Thomas on there, but, I mean, the five years leading up to it, you know, it's John Stockton, who was, I guess, considered the best point guard in the the NBA at the time, given that he was the first team All-NBA selection the previous five years. So, I mean, and look, John Stockton goes on to to be the all-time leader in assists and steals. Like, he's one of the greatest point guards ever. So it's not like, you know, they replaced him with Patrick Beverly or somebody like that, you know? Like, this dude, like, John Stockton was a dude, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I still, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I want to argue with you again, and this is the <laughs> second time I've been stumped on this place, and I, I want to freaking, I want to just argue. But I, I, you make really good points about about, especially the last dance. I really appreciate your takes on the last dance. I think we align Thank up you, pretty well.
0: We do, which is weird, because usually, like, we're both smart guys, but our stances are usually different. So What's, this is it's, weird.
1: It's hard it's hard especially when we're just seeing it in real time like that. It's hard. They're giving you the information like they, like I guess I guess that I guess we just changed Jay Smith. I guess we just are friends now and we don't I guess
0: you. I guess so. Well, we haven't talked about uh your boy uh Andy Dalton yet, but so the other oh, yeah, players Yeah, that's that's coming. So <laughs> so the other player that I really wanted to talk about is Charles Barkley. Okay, so over this quarantine, you get bored, you do different things. So I basically went back and rewatched the entire 1993 NBA Finals, okay, every game. And all I'm going to say is that if Charles Barkley played in today's NBA, he would be an absolute dude. I Imagine, take Draymond Green, give him a better jump shot, make him more athletic, he can still pass and handle the ball. And that's basically who Charles Barkley was. I just think that I think he'd be better in today's game with the small ball five and four than he was back then. Like, I think that of any player to transfer from era to era, Charles Barkley would be even better in this era than he was back in the, the 90s.
1: I think you're right. Um, I think you're right just because the way he played, he was already good. I mean, he won an MVP in that era. Like, he was already good and that was the area, that was the era where the paint was clogged, you were getting the crap beat out of you, you didn't really have the space to operate like you do now, and I think the size and the strength, and then also the ball skills, like, I think you're right, Um, I don't like comparing him to Draymond, I I hear that a lot, but I think Draymond's garbage, I think Draymond is nowhere close to, to the comp, but I think you're right, I think I think if you put if you put Barkley in today's era, I think he's he's a triple double waiting to happen every night. Like,
0: yeah, I agree. I think that Draymond Green falls under the category of guys you don't want to play against, but love having on your team. Draymond, yes, because dude, he's he's just a pest, man. Like defensively, I man, I would love to have a guy like Draymond Green on my team, just because like he's gonna do all the he's gonna rebound, he's gonna play defense, and he's gonna pass me the ball. <laughs>
1: like, so you call you. He can call you a b word, and then you want to leave. Is that why you want him on your team? He doesn't. I
0: mean, like- I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not soft. So I. I I'd be okay.
1: Oh, Kevin Durant shot
0: <laughs> look, I love no. Kevin Durant, but look, like I, you know, you get mad at like tempers are going to flare when you're in the middle of competition. Like it, just, like, it just happens. You know, I, I know we're kind of getting off track here, but look, like Kevin Durant, you can't be so soft. Like I love Kevin Durant. I, I think he's been the best player in the world. Since 2017, and I think he'd definitely be the best player Relax. in the world right now. He, Relax I think he, would, a little.
1: pump the brakes on the Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. But dude,
0: <laughs> if if he played, I think that if he played, if he played this year, I think that, you know, like people are talking about Kawhi Leonard being the best player in the world. You can't tell me that you think that Kawhi Leonard is better than Kevin Durant.
1: I don't, but I also See, think LeBron's better than both of them. Yeah,
0: maybe I got my not quota. In, I don't my daily LeBron
1: quota. <laughs> okay, there you go.
0: <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I, I like Draymond Green more, more than most people. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm, I'm a grinder like him. But I like, and I just think that they, they compare Charles Barkley and Draymond just because the size is so similar, and they both right. play a, a small ball four.
1: I think, I think Charles Barkley, um, I think Charles Barkley and all those guys really, uh, just like. Jordan just ate like took food off their plates, man. Like he like all those guys, he they those guys are studs. The way he did Clyde Drexler in that doc. I look at Clyde Drexler so different now. Oh like, yeah, me like, too. <laughs> I was like Clyde's the man and then they showed Jordan just like just making him his son and it's just like, oh well, Clyde Drexler played in the NBA at one point. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, well, I remember him.
0: I love the the quote by Charles Barkley. Where you know he talks about game two, he goes out and gets forty two and Jordan matches him and he's like for the first time in, in his life he was like, There may actually be somebody who's better than basketball at me. Right. And I mean like I'm sure that guys have the same thing when they play against guys like, you know, LeBron now, right? Like, you know, you're I don't know, who you're you're Jason Tatum, right? And you're playing him in the Eastern Conference Finals and you have a game and you look at the stats and it's like, Oh, LeBron had 38-8, this guy's really good. I, I guess I'm not right. that good. But I just, yeah. But one more thing I want to say about the Jordan Doc, for all you LeBron guys, give it 20 years, and it's going to be the exact same thing for, for, for LeBron. Like, you know, as time passes, it's going to be the same thing. We're going to talk about LeBron James. Like, he's this kind of gaudy figure. And so just don't worry. Like, you, you, your time is coming, LeBron James fans.
1: You're still my take, Jonathan. You're moving over to the dark side.
0: I mean, look, like, <laughs> I've I've matured. I'm not gonna disrespect LeBron James because you know he's, in my opinion, he, he's a, he's a top two player of all time. I think everybody should have him in their top three. Jalen Rose is stupid for not. Um, I just so I I'm I'm, I'm going to be respectful of of the greats.
1: Do you wanna do you wanna talk about the gambling?
0: Yeah, we can. I. I mean, look, um, the reporter, and I'm blanking on his name, but one of the reporters that that they talked to in the doc, I think, makes the perfect analogy. Like Jordan going out and betting ten grand on golf is us putting ten bucks down. Like it's not that big a deal, in my opinion. I obviously you start like. Putting I mean,
1: ten bucks down on everything, though.
0: Yeah, I mean that's true, but you know, I think you know when he does the the interview with the guy from NBC, and he's like, he's like, "Do you see my kid starving? Do you see me like?" living out in the streets because I'm gambling all my money away? No. And so I just, I mean, look, like, at the end of the day, like, he still took took care of his family. Like, he still did everything that he was supposed to do. I mean, he just liked to gamble his money. Like, I mean, I don't really buy the whole conspiracy theory that Stern made him leave the NBA because of the gambling thing. Because, look, like, why would you ask your biggest star to leave? Right. When, like, he wasn't betting on games. You know, like, they've they've proven that. You know, like, I love – you know Pete Rose but they haven't been able to prove that he didn't bet on his own team. So I mean, you know, Jordan, I mean, he bet on himself and why if you're Michael Jordan why wouldn't you bet on yourself?
1: I don't think it's a problem per se, but I think I think that he definitely um I think he he definitely had a problem. I think that yeah. goes without saying. I think he definitely had a problem. I think maybe maybe given different circumstances where he's not the greatest basketball player in the world at the, at one point and not selling out shoes and stuff. I think then uh, we kind of see the magnitude of it um, a little more, but I mean, when you're like, like when you're bringing in the money he was bringing in at that time, like that's fine. But the thing that I, the thing that I think about when I think about his gambling is not necessarily the impact it has on him. I think that, um, him gambling like that, him staying out—I think that has a, a pretty negative effect on the people around him and his family. Um, I think, I think when you're that, and you're habitually gambling like that, about throwing quarters against a wall uh, against random, ra- random security in the United Center. By oh, the way, shout toolbox. out to that guy. Shout out to that. Oh, guy. Yeah. That meme was going around, and I thought that was hilarious. The one where oh, the, yeah. the security guy shrugging. Um. But no, I just I. I don't want to like. I don't know Michael Jordan. Obviously, I've never met him. I don't. It just seemed like it was a little too much. You know, it just seemed like he was doing just a little too much.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I definitely think that you know it was fair to criticize him for going out to Atlantic City during the Eastern Conference Finals. Like that's that's a fair criticism, in my opinion. And then obviously, you know, he comes out and gets you know drops forty something, and they end up winning the next four. What are you gonna say? In complete Michael Jordan fashion, right? But I just so I I look the the criticisms fair. Uh, I don't gamble, probably won't for a long time because I'm a broke college student. Right. So, but I mean, look, like at the end of the day, like it's his money. Like he can do whatever he wants with it. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, like he said, it wasn't like you know he was losing his house and stuff. Like he wasn't selling his championship rings, and so he's like, I've seen you know I watched a documentary a long time ago where they talk about a- athletes going broke. And they've got Charles Barkley on there. He's like, yeah, man, he's like, i probably lost around two hundred grand gambling. Right? And that's that's what happens to like a lot of these athletes, right? Like they have all this money and they're like, I don't really know what to do with this. Let's go basically throw it away. Right. So I I don't think that right. I, I'm sure that there's a lot of athletes out there who gamble now. You know, it's just not oh, as sure. bad probably, right? Like I definitely agree with you. Like it was definitely a problem, you know? Cause I feel like if it hadn't been a problem, he wouldn't have gone silent for, you know, however long, you know, he didn't, he didn't talk to the media for.
1: Yeah. Why do you have to do an interview? Why do you have to, why do you have to do all those? Like it was obvious and maybe part of that, I mean, I wasn't around for that, for that time. Um, maybe part of that is just, um, maybe the perception that the public had of him, uh, as this like golden parentheses, golden boy, um, and I don't know gambling probably was not as as well uh renowned as, as it is now, like a lot of people gamble now and it's no problem so maybe maybe just like uh the environment he came through uh with with the media at that time and then maybe uh just his his overall uh perception maybe that played into to making it a bigger deal than it was yeah because
0: uh, yeah like cause, you know they have the the be like Mike commercials right because he's like right. he's perceived as his golden boy. And then, you know, all that stuff kind of comes out about him. And, I mean, you know, it kind of piles up, right? Like, you know, the state of, of, of North Carolina is mad at him for the political thing. You know, he starts gambling. So, I just, I, yeah, I, I agree. Like, that's that's a perfect take, in my opinion. Thank you. Got, you're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so, I, you bring up an interesting point real quick uh, before we transition into my guy, Eddie Dalton. Um, the When he was talking about how, Try to be Michael for a day, and you'll hate it. What do you? What like? I think I, that's the dumbest thing in the world,
0: dude. I think it's no. I, I think his point was like, like being Michael Jordan for a day is fun. You know, being Michael Jordan for a week could be fun, but for a whole year, dude, could you imagine, dude? Like, like they they show him in his room, and he's like, "This is the only place where I have peace." Like, that's what like you, you wanted, yeah. Like, like there's no peace. Like, there's no place to like get away from people. You know, and but that's what you me,
1: wanted. That's what you signed up for.
0: Is it though? Like, I feel like these guys like like they signed up to play basketball for a living, not to not to be he mobbed by Nike. media wherever they go.
1: He signed with Nike. He knew he was he he wanted to be the best basketball player in the world. You know, the attention that comes with that, you know, the attention that comes with your shoe, you know, the attention that comes with winning six championships.
0: I think we know that now, but like, you know, like in the 80s and 90s, like basketball wasn't as big as it is now. Same. Right, and so I think he was really kind of the first guy who experienced, you know, the, kind of that level of stardom that we see guys like Kobe Bryant had, LeBron James has now. So I think he was like, he was the first guy to really kind of experience all of that. And so I just I, I I understand what he's saying, you know, dealing with the media twenty four seven and do like like imagine going out to dinner and you have like four people come up to you and ask you for an autograph while you're while you're eat, while you're having dinner with your family, like you no know, like that happens once or twice. Like okay, fine, but every night, like that's that that would just be a lot to put on a person over time. I think I think that was just the point he was trying to make.
1: I would love that. If we're being honest, that would be that's like that's my dream.
0: I, but I'm sure it'd get old though. Like every time you go out,
1: I, I I don't know. I think I think he was, I think he was um, he he got away from. From just basketball at that point, I think he, uh, I think he may have had some other things going on, and I don't, I, like I said, he signed up for that life. Uh, he knew potentially what could happen with that life, um, and I think maybe he just got caught up in um, some things that weren't necessarily basketball. Yeah, um, that's maybe in that's his personal fair. Yeah. life, and maybe that affected him a little more when things like that happened. Because um, Michael Jordan doesn't seem like a happy guy.
0: That's fair. He doesn't.
1: <laughs> he doesn't seem like the most happy guy in the world. I think, I think he had a lot of um, off the court issues. Maybe, um, obviously, pure speculation just based on what I've been watching.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, uh, like you know, he his, wasn't
1: the happiest guy, you know.
0: Well, he has the thing with his dad happen, which I'm sure that was rough. Right. Obvious, obviously, like that is terrible. Um. So I I'd agree. Like I'm sure he had some some off the court stuff too. Because I just yeah, that's that's definitely a fair speculation to make yeah
1: but my first reaction when i heard him say that i was like like shut up i literally i was sitting there watching it with my girlfriend and i was like i was like what like you knew all this like stop like stop complaining like you're you're achieving everything you wanted to achieve like like what is what's the problem uh like you you did it
0: yeah i guess yeah i I agree with that and okay this is something that i've noticed have you noticed that when adults ask him for autographs, he doesn't give them he only he only like watch he only signs autographs for kids.
1: I love that that's perfect
0: me too I, I think that there, that's yeah
1: is isn't there a thing like where like they like old like older people guys and and people that want autographs they like try to sell it like they they just get it just to sell it or yeah something. like that's i don't know
0: yeah, I mean that's definitely you know a thing where and I just think that like. It's kind it's of weird for mean? a grown man it to come up to
1: another man to to get an autograph. I'm out.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. With I was about to say. Like, it, I imagine, I just couldn't imagine walk, especially like, like asking like Zion Williamson for his autograph would just be weird for me because because we 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 are the same age,
1: right?
0: And so for me, it'd just be weird. Like, I don't think asking for a picture would be weird though. Would, would that be weird?
1: A picture's a little different based if on the setting, like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like if he is at the arena, like in his, like in his uniform and you ask for a picture, that's fine. But if you see him walking down the street and you're like, Hey, real quick, Zion, let me get a picture. Then I'm out. But like, <laughs> that's fair.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. That's, that's... A,
1: but a kid, what are you going to say no to a kid for you you remember yeah. when you were a kid, you look, you idolize guys like that, like.
0: So do you have a, a first autograph story of some sort where, where where you ask the player for their autograph?
1: Ken Griffey Jr. did not sign my baseball. What? I I don't know what it is. There's a lot of stories in Cincinnati about this, but Ken Griffey Jr. just did not like to sign autographs. And I looked wow. him in his eyes. I was a young kid. At, I looked him in, in his soul, in his eyeballs, and asked for, a, for an autograph. And he turned around. He just He just, he yeah,
0: just, he just walked away. Around.
1: Yeah, and I I never really got mad and even now like I get it like why do you want to sign an autograph for some little fat kid like <laughs> <laughs> You probably signed 50 of them in the last 5 minutes like you probably just want to hit BP.
0: Yeah, I mean it's fair. Man, that's crazy. I didn't know that about about
1: there's a lot of stories like that. A lot of my friends have similar stories of Griffey just not signing their stuff or ignoring them or uh, stuff like that. So that's kind of funny.
0: So did you have anybody sign your ball or whatever that day, or, or did you go I home had like
1: Brandon Larson and like, like just okay. like like guys that that never really panned out? They were oh, very babe. happy to sign my ball. Like oh, this kind of <laughs> those kind of guys were like, yeah. Like so, I got like Brandon Larson and. And some other guys. I mean, there was not much to pick from from that Reds team.
0: But. <laughs> okay, so for me, so the first autograph I ever got, I got Dirk Nowitzki's autograph when I was That's six. That's a zinger, dude! Huge. So for my, so this is back when I lived in in Tennessee. We lived about three hours away from uh, Atlanta, right? And so all I wanted for my birthday was to go watch the Mavericks play. And so we go watch them play the Hawks against jo- Joe Johnson, Arkansas product. And so yeah. we show up, like gates open, we're like the first people in. Me and my dad, of course, like it's like the Hawks, and they were like a six seed, so they weren't great. And so we're watching, you know, Dirk warm up, and I'm just like, I'm six years old, but I'm just like in awe of everything, right? Right. He and looks so, like the
1: tallest man alive. Like, dude, he was just.
0: <laughs> so he's walking back to the tunnel. And so I'm, like, up on the side, like, I've got my jerseys on. I've, I've got, like, four Mavericks jerseys on. It's like a Josh Howard, Jason Kidd, and <laughs> Dirk jersey. And so I'm, like, draping my jersey down. You know, he's, like, seven feet tall. And I'm, like, ten feet in the air. And he just reaches up and plucks it out of the air and signs it, and he th- threw it back up And Bro, happiest I think I've ever been. And then a few years later, we go to watch the Cubs play, right? And Al- Alfonso Soriano... Was like one of my favorite players growing up. Just you loved seem him. like
1: an Alfonso Soriano guy.
0: I don't know why. I, I think, like, growing up, you know, I, I'd come home on Sundays and we'd watch the Cubs get beat by whoever they played. Right. And so, like, <laughs> Derek Lee, Alfonso Soriano, Ramos Ramirez, th- those are my three guys, right? So we go watch and play the Phillies.
1: Are you a Cubs guy still? I'm a
0: huge Cubs. I love the Cubs, man. I've always been a Cubs fan.
1: Did I not know that?
0: You should know that I'm very I'm very vocal about my my Cubs dedication because people are always like oh you're a bandwagon you know because of the whole 2016 thing, but I'm like no like I can give you the starting lineup from 2008 the last time that that they made Do the it. playoffs. Do before. it for the
1: podcast right now. No Google.
0: Alfonso Soriano was the lead off. Two hole was Mark DeRosa. Three hole was Derek Lee. Four hole was ramos Ramirez. Five was. Kosuke Fukudomi, he was from Japan, he, he played right field.
1: We all know who Kosuke is.
0: I'm just, hey, just being sure, man. <laughs> six hole, I, oh man, who who played center field? The the center fielder hit six. I want to say it was Felix P.A., but he may have been gone before then.
1: That's a, that's a good guess, though. If you're not right, and I don't know if you are, that's a really good guess.
0: And then seven was, who hit seven? Let me think. Right, Terrio. No, Terrio hit eight. Oh. Who hit seven? Oh, oh, oh Givadi Soto won Rookie of the Year Is that it, year.
1: You know who he beat at Rookie of the Year voting that year? I do not. Joey freaking Votto.
0: Was it really?
1: Yes. Look how that
0: panned out, man.
1: I know. That's crazy.
0: And then the, the ace on the bump was Carlos Zambrano.
1: Yeah. that Those Cubs teams were cool.
0: Yeah. So, I'm not a bandwagon Cubs fan. Been a Cubs fan for a long time. You proved it. So I think that's that's it on the Jordan doc, I guess.
1: <laughs> we start talking about another Chicago team. We, we did were close. That's
0: true. That's true. Um, so
1: hey, sometimes that happens, man. Sometimes you just go down a rabbit hole and you have yeah. to name off the 2008 Cubs team.
0: Like, that's right. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's just kind of how it goes. But to, to finish my story, so anyway, I, I want Alfonso Soriano's autograph so bad, like he was the guy. So we wait around like an hour after the game is over. Right, and so there's like this little area in, in Wrigley where like the players have to walk through to go like to their cars and stuff, and so like that's where people hang out at to to get autographs. And so, bro, I'm standing there, I've got my pen, I got my Cubs jersey, like I'm just waiting, and he comes through with about four security guards, <laughs> and just walks by everybody, doesn't acknowledge that, like doesn't wave, doesn't do anything, but he just gone like. Hey, yeah, he went crazy that game. I think he hit like two home runs. Like, dude went off and just walked out of the building. And then Mike <laughs> Fontenot, this bench player who plays like once a series, comes through with the biggest smile. When I say he signed everything, Mike <laughs> Fontenot signed everything that he could. He
1: was could. excited. <laughs> That's funny. So I, all right. I, I had a, uh, I, one real quick thing. So I Oh, kinda- go ahead, Ben. I kind of had the same situation where I met in the tunnel. Uh, I was like 16, though. I was not a little kid. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was at the Bengals game. And me and a couple of my buddies sold programs at Paul Brown, the Cincinnati Bengals stadium. Oh, that's awesome. And so we got to sell programs for the first half. And then after the first half, we could find a seat. So basically, it's like we had season tickets. We just had to sell programs for the first half. Uh, and we had like badges and stuff, and like I don't think it gave us clearance to where we went, but we were we were kids, so we tried to sneak in. And one day we got in to where all the players would come out, and like I got a pic, like I have a picture with AJ Green, Ray Maluga, Andy Dalton. Like I have pictures with I have pictures with all those guys just from that That's one day. Dope.
0: That is awesome. That's and- crazy.
1: You can see in our Andy Dalton photo, we're holding up the, the horn frog, the TCU. My buddy Reed Mouse. Uh my buddy Reed Mouse is a big TCU guy and an Andy Dalton fan, so we we're, we're holding up the horn frog.
0: That's awesome. That's perfect. And that's is also that, what you call Is that a like segue. Drew Mouse's brother?
1: Yeah. Okay. It is. That's awesome. And that's that's also what you call a segue. For those in the oh, podcast that's the perfect game.
0: segue. You set that up perfectly. <laughs> okay, so Andy Dalton signs a one year deal worth up to seven million with Dallas, three million guaranteed. I love this. Let's go. (laughs) I think that this is perfect. Now, here is where the take gets rocky for a lot of people, okay?
1: You're just jumping into it? (laughs) Just diving right in?
0: They don't have to pay Dak Prescott, in my opinion, now. So, I went back. So, Andy Dalton took the Bengals to the playoffs four times, okay? All very early in his career, right? So, he has the success early in his career, because the pieces around him were better, right? And then, you know, he, he he gets the payday, 6 6 years, 96 million. And all, you know, like when you pay a quarterback that much, you know, the, the right tackle gets a, it gets a little worse, the defense isn't as good, the the second receiver isn't as good, and then we see the Bengals kind of trail off a little a little bit. And um on, I, a, a lot of that is because of how much they pay Andy Dalton, right? So I, there's I think there's very few quarterbacks in the league. Where you can be like, hey, you know, here's thirty plus million dollars a year, and be okay. You know, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, you know, th- those guys. Dak Prescott is not that kind of guy. I think Jerry Jones knows that, so he doesn't want to pay him, you know, thirty five million dollars like he wants. And look, Andy Dalton is a good quarterback. Like he's like obviously, you know, he's not these Aaron Rodgers guys. But look, you put him on offense with the best offensive line in the league, probably the best running back in the league. And with the addition of CD Lamb, maybe the best receiving core in the league. Andy Dalton's a good enough quarterback that you're going to put up a lot of points. I don't think that they need to sign Dak Prescott.
1: Very well thought out and smart opinion, Jonathan. I think you're. I think you're a hundred percent right. I think. Uh, I think when you when you are looking to sign your quarterback to a long year deal, um, you better make sure he can impact the game by himself. Um, Agreed. And and I think you see with the Bengals, I think you see with Andy Dalton. If you surround him with weapons, uh, you surround him with, with AJ Green, Mohammed Sanu, Marvin Jones, Jeremy Jeremy Hill, uh Andrew Whitworth protecting him. Guys like the uh, defense with, with Vontez Burfict and and Pac-Man Jones and Reggie Nelson and Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunn like the, like they're like I don't think people understand during his playoff run with the Bengals he had, the
0: supporting the, cast was fantastic.
1: It was one of the it was the most one of, if not the most talented roster in the NFL at the time. I mean when you go down the list of guys that were in their primes or that were making impact, I mean Tyler Eifert had like fifteen touchdowns the one year. Yeah. Like, um so you go down the list and you see that, but I, I I agree with you. I I say all that to get to the point where you don't pay a guy that can't elevate himself. Or elevate his team by himself. If if you need a guy that if you if you have a guy that needs weapons like that around to to be successful, don't pay that guy. In my opinion, like, agreed. Yeah, and I think Dak and Andy are that are that that way. Like I think those are guys you just you can't shell out the money to.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think that. You know, I mean, obviously, I think that the Cowboys would rather have Dak at the helm, just because of, of the success that he's had. He's I think he's a little bit more athletic than Andy Dalton. And in today's NFL, I think it's good to have some some athleticism back there. But, I mean, like, they don't need to re-sign Dak. Like, it's, they're, they're going to save a boatload of money for to get basically the same production. Because I was, I was looking at their numbers, and uh, excluding, like, their rookie years, because, you know, Dak Prescott had a fantastic rookie year. Their numbers look the same until Dalton signs that that big deal.
1: Right. And isn't it crazy that Andy Dalton's making headlines about it is crazy like, i i love andy dalton and like i like i have no hard feelings towards andy dalton i loved him as my as my quarterback at, at cincinnati and i think i think people are starting to really come around to the idea that he's just like not as bad as people thought like
0: he's not like he was like he was an early second round pick and I mean, he's had a, a, he
1: had a he he set all kinds of records for the Bengals. we on a on a on a franchise that hasn't been historically great, but has had some pretty good quarterbacks in in their in their in their their franchise history. Yeah, I, mean, he, I agree with took, that, yeah
0: he,
1: he took them to the playoffs when they were down and out. Uh, he he set them up for success, and then but he's just not the he's not the guy that's going to get you over the hump without talent. But with all that being said, again, I have a, a theory. Are you ready?
0: I'm ready for it. Let's hear it.
1: Now I don't know if you're gonna like this, it's but okay. I think, I think he, I think he plays. I think he starts week one. I think Dak really. Holds out. So yeah.
0: do you think it's? Oh, you think Dak holds out? Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, man, I just, man, I feel like this is one of those things where Dak's gonna feel. Upset and offended, so I could definitely see it happening. Like, I think it's a real possibility, yeah. But I just see, he wants 35 million, and he
1: that's way too much. Can we, like, he's not worth
0: it. Like, like Carson Wentz is making like Carson Wentz is making 32 million up in Philly, and I get crucified for this take by Cowboys fans. But Carson Wentz is a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Like, say what you want about like excluding the whole Carson Wentz gets hurt thing because that's really the only knock.
1: You can't, though. Can't really exclude that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this last year, you know, he he takes the dirty hit from Clowney, right? If that doesn't happen, he plays the whole game and they possibly beat Seattle there. I mean, like, they, you know, they, they played him really tough without Carson Wentz. I think that if they have Carson Wentz, they probably beat him, in my opinion. But look, th- Carson Wentz, in my opinion, then again, I love Carson Wentz more than most people. He has all the tools to be the second best quarterback in the league behind Mahomes, in my opinion. Like, I think I think he's that good.
1: You think that's the ceiling?
0: Yes, I think he's good enough to be the second best quarterback in the league behind Mahomes. Like, if I, you watch I, him play, dude, like the release is quick. He's got a big arm. He's very athletic. You know, his his forty time is faster than Dax. Yeah, and he's I like didn't six. He's like six five, and he's big. I I really I like him more than a lot of people, and I like like people don't remember the twenty fourteen season. But if he doesn't get hurt, he wins the MVP and probably takes the Eagles. And he he does he he takes the Eagles to the Super Bowl and wins it.
1: Right. And they I mean they won it anyway. They did. Which kind of hurts his case. Like that's true. Which yeah. I I could see him being. I could see him panning out like an Andy Dalton or a Dak Prescott though. Like I also see that too, where he can't win without without the talent around him.
0: See, I would, I would agree with that. But this last year, he's got like his top four receivers go down. They're bringing up guys from the practice squad, and they go on a run, and, and they make the playoffs, and they probably win round one if if he doesn't get hurt. You know, he, Fair. actually I, he he beats Dak Prescott to make the playoffs, which <laughs> makes it yeah. even better.
1: I wanna, I wanna uh, just go back a second. Uh, when I say winning without uh, talent around you, I do, obviously I know that you need other pieces around you. Oh yes, but when I yeah. say that. I just want to clarify. I, when I say that, I mean, um, you have guys like Mahomes and, and Brady and, and and Rogers. They elevate themselves and their team. Like, yes. No matter the roster, no matter no matter who's on the field, they elevate them, and they're they're always in the game. So when I say talent around you, I mean not like one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. You can still come out and and you can hang with anyone. And then there's that yeah. second level of quarterbacks, like we're talking Dak and Andy. Like, if you're if you're at a talent disadvantage, like you're just gonna lose, like because they're not good enough to elevate themselves and the team to win. That's what I mean by having like the talent thing that I'm talking about. Obviously, you need other players to win football games. Yeah, 20- definitely. Like, but I did. I didn't want you to. I didn't want anyone listening think I was. I was discredit. I was saying you could win without talent. So I just yeah, wanted to I, clear that up.
0: I think that the perfect way to look at it is. So when you look at Green Bay this last year. So the the obvious number 1 wide receiver which I think just about every NFL team has is clearly uh Devontae Adams out there, right? And then the number 2 his last name is Addison or Allison. One of the two.
1: Valdez Scantling isn't he a Packer?
0: He is, but by the end of the year this this Addison <laughs> guy, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Addison so we're, we're going to go with that. If it's Allison, I'm sorry.
1: It's Allison. Isn't it it is it Allison Allison?
0: That sounds right.
1: Let me see real quick. Okay. This is bad radio.
0: This is yeah, this, this is bad. Sorry, we didn't we didn't plan on talking about the Packers, so I'm,
1: I've I've plan I'm on not yeah, I did not plan on talking about the Packers second third receiver.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he so like he anywhere else, like he he put up pretty solid numbers this last year. Put him Anywhere else, he might not he, – he doesn't put up those numbers, you know. It's just he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, so his numbers are, are elevated, you he's know. He's a
1: lion now. For the, he's a lion now.
0: Oh, is he? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that sucks for the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't matter who the Packers have a receiver. Well, I mean, it does. But, you know, like, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I, I think you put it perfectly. Like, these Tier 1 guys, like, they elevate the other guys. And Tier 2 guys – don't
1: need the other need the other guys need them yeah. like it's necessary like, for them like like
0: they they need a run game or just something else to give them a little boost so and you can't pay those guys 35 million dollars a year you just can't do it
1: um Andy Dalton though uh to to kind of to to sum it all up for me um I think he's a great signing for a team like the Cowboys I think uh like I said with the with the talent weapons they have I think whether you go with Dak or you go with Andy or something happens with Dak and you can't re-sign him and you have Andy I think it's a I think it's the the best backup quarterback in the league and I think it's the best it's the best situation for for everyone I think it was a perfect fit
0: I agree I think it's I like it's it's a perfect perfect fit for him like he's he's from Dallas so you know he's going to be happy there and look you know that Bill Belichick was on the phone with him trying to get him come to come and play up up in New England cuz like he he knows like you know you give Andy Dalton a run game he's going to be he's going to be fine. And that's what Bill Belichick wants to do. He wants to run the ball and, and, and play good defense. And the fact that he chose Dallas over New England kind of it supports your your take that that he's going to that he's going to play week 1 cuz I don't think cuz like all these guys want to play, right? Like they want to go to places where, where they're going to have the opportunity to play. And like you know that hey, you know, I can go to New England and beat out Jarrett Stidham pretty easily. Or I can go to Dallas, and it looks like Dak isn't going to resign, right? And so I think that the fact that he went there just kind of over New England, because there weren't there aren't any c- confirmed reports. But I, I would hard put not money to down. It, right? I, I would put money down on it that that the Patriots were, were talking to Andy Dalton. So I, I definitely think that this whole he plays week one thing is definitely possible. I, I, I'm hoping for it now, j- j- just so that we can have you back on. And you can be like, hey, I was right. <laughs>
1: I. I want, I want it like, okay. So I have a secret and don't tell anyone. Okay. Um, I won't. (laughs) Uh, I like the Cowboys. They're probably my second favorite team. I love the Cowboys.
0: Why? That's just, I did not expect that to come out of your mouth. I'll be honest. There's
1: just something about them. I think it might be like the Zeke factor. I think it might be like, I just like the Cowboys and him going to the Cowboys is awesome for me. Like, I'm so excited.
0: Would you believe me if I told you that I am not a Cowboys fan?
1: I would. I think I knew that.
0: <laughs> I just, like, Cowboys fans just piss me off. I'll be honest. Like, that's really what it is for me. Cause yeah,
1: I know, I know how fans are of, of those big-time teams, but don't tell anyone I'm a Cowboys fan. But I just, hey, I won't,
0: man. Know. I won't. That's definitely going to be the title of this this podcast. That <laughs> gray and veils big secret. <laughs> but. So, I think that's that's all I've got. If you've got any other thoughts, comments about anything in general, you know we can we can talk about that or or, or we can wrap it up. This is so organized.
1: <laughs> hey, what are we supposed to do, man? There's nothing going on
0: yeah let's let's complain about them not open. Oh, I actually have something else that we can talk about. that's huge news that you I saw you tweet about it. It was a low blow, but it's okay. oh. <laughs> Arkansas has announced that they plan on starting practice mid-July, which I'm assuming other Power 5 teams are going to do the same, especially down in the south where, you know, the coronavirus isn't as bad. You know, I don't know about Ohio or places like that, these more, more, more populated areas. But So the AD for Arkansas basically came out and said they're going to start football practice in mid-July, and the season is set to start September 5th, which would be on schedule. So I think that's good news.
1: So I mean I mean regardless of if the season uh continues or not um or is on pace like Arkansas is always on schedule they're still just going to have zero wins in the SEC.
0: Hey, I bet we beat Ole Miss this year.
1: I made a ingest bet on Twitter saying that they wouldn't win 5 games. Now 5 games is almost bowl eligible. Like and then yeah. they come out and win two games, one against an FCS school, and then who is the other team they beat?
0: Colorado like, State.
1: Yeah, that's a big time win. And then they, hey man, are you guys aware? As I, I hope there's some Arkansas fans listening. I'm sure there are. Oh, there are. You are you aware no that you lost to San Jose State at home? <clears throat> are people aware of that is that that doesn't that doesn't really come up often?
0: That's all the time we have. We got to – yeah, I mean, look. Um
1: They're bad, Jonathan. They They're are. Man. A like, good
0: I'm program. not I'm not one of these delusional fans who thinks we're going to go out and win, you know, the the college football playoff every year. That's not me. But I will admit my hopes were higher last year. I thought for sure just with the talent we had coming in, we'd win more than two games.
1: Chad Morris is a good coach.
0: Uh Chad Morris is a terrible coach. He's a good he he can recruit, you know, like if you can land, you know, the number 18th ranked, you know, recruiting class in the country after only winning two games, you can recruit. Like, you got to give him that. I'm not going to knock him on that, but X's and O's, like, come on now, man, you're not a good coach that way. And talking to, I don't know if you listened to the first podcast that I did where I interviewed uh, K Rich, who played for Chad Morris. Players didn't like him, and I think that's that's a big part of coaching is just having players like you. You know, and but then again, you know, hearing you know K Rich talk about the previous staff, man. It was just it was going to be tough to be liked as much as you know Brett Bielema and those guys were, so just knowing that like I feel like the odds were definitely stacked against him, that and just knowing that you know our the AD we have now didn't hire him, so that makes it even tougher because you know like as an AD like you want your guy in there you know like he didn't choose Chad Morris he was kind of chosen for him, so you know first opportunity I think he had to get rid of him I think he was going to and then look back to back two and ten wins going two and ten is un not acceptable. You know, like look all all Arkansas fans want is to go like eight and four, seven and five and play in a bowl game. Like if that happens and we're good at baseball and we're good at basketball, which baseball and basketball should be fine for the next several years, we'll be okay. You know? Like you know, the other problem is Bobby Petrino came in and got our hopes up, got here going ten and two, playing in BCS bowl games and stuff. And then so people are like, Oh, you know, we can win, you know, a national championship. But no it's just it's tough in a state like Arkansas where you're not putting out athletes like like Ohio is and Florida and in these different places
1: um i you know what you know my take on, on Arkansas football is i don't like it i think i think the whole thing is just like i think the whole idea of Arkansas football is just completely like off base i don't i think the expectations versus reality is crazy i think i think the fact that that um around there Arkansas is looked at as a big time division 1 program it is absolutely bananas. I would rather go to Cincinnati than go to Arkansas. I would rather there's a lot of there's a lot of uh a group of 5 schools I'd rather go to than go to Arkansas. There wow. I mean okay. I, I, you're rolling your eyes but like you don't win there. You don't you don't do anything like you don't you don't do anything there. You're you're basically you're Kentucky with a bigger budget. You're Vanderbilt with a bigger budget.
0: I think that's I mean, look, like, you look at the past few years and, like, you're right. But, you know, b- before Bobby Petrino, like, they win, you know, eight games a year under under guys like Houston Nutt. And so, like, look, like, Arkansas is a program where where they can win eight, you know, maybe pull off an upset and win nine games a year. Like, I think that that is – that's doable. Like, would you agree with that? Like, winning eight, winning eight or nine games a year is 100% doable.
1: How? I don't see the path.
0: I do. Okay. So well, let's think. Like most, I mean,
1: you have the 18th recruiting class in the nation, apparently. What, what's the pat? Well, how do you win two games?
0: I I ha- I agree you with you. Con- I agree with you. How do you
1: continuously sign coaches you don't like? How, like what's like? How do you continuously have the same problems happen year in and year out? And then it, 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 it this one's different. Like
0: I mean, we had we had Brett Bielema around for four years, five years. That's that's he's plenty a good of coach, time, man. I like Brett Bielema. I I like Brett Brett Bielema. Like like. You know all about Brett Bielema because he was up at Wisconsin. Like he's a good right. coach. You know the problem with Brett Bielema was he wanted to play the same style of football as Alabama, and you know when you play the same style of football as somebody and they roll in with their you know four and five star guys and you've got you know your three star guys.
1: Are you supposed to beat Alabama?
0: I'm yeah. I agree. Like you're not you're not supposed to beat Alabama, but I just that's the expectation here. You're supposed I to beat San right. Jose State at home. That's you are.
1: You're, you're supposed to beat. Vanderbilt, you're supposed and to like, Toledo,
0: and yeah, and Toledo, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. And I you know, think the it's coaching time to thing, just really
1: admit. I think it's time to admit they're in a dark, dark. Spot. Oh
0: yeah, I've I've accepted this. I, you know, I will admit I do like Sam Pittman. I'll be honest. I wish we'd gotten Lane Kiffin, but I understand why we didn't want him. After you know the whole, he said he was going to come, and then he did. He took other interviews, which that's that's a loyalty issue, which I think that, that's a fair. Thing to say about Lane Kiffin and look the, the thing that I really like about Sam Pittman is that he's excited to be the head coach at, at Arkansas like that's important you know because you want somebody who wants to be there and isn't just looking to move on after you know three or four years which I feel like Lane Kiffin might end up doing at Ole Miss like three or four know, years dude. I think that's the way
1: I think, I think for a school like Arkansas you have to have now I'm t- let's take Cincinnati for example right Cincinnati has had a better better stretch than Arkansas by a ton like,
0: but then again they don't play teams like LSU and Alabama every year.
1: Right. Which, like, they, like, I, they I, I do do think that they do beat their teams that they're supposed to. My point is they beat the teams they're supposed to beat and they have success. And, okay, that's
0: that's yeah, that's fair.
1: And as far as coaching goes, uh, I mean, look at the guys that Cincinnati's brought in for for 2 3 years and then they've moved on and then like they have had continued success because they've used a model of let's bring in these coaches these up and coming coaches if they move on they move on, but we're always going to be in the mix we're always going to have a competitive season we're always going to have a good coach. I think, I think I think I think that a guy that's excited to go to Arkansas is great in theory, but like is that is Sam Pittman the answer? Like is he gonna is he like is that a good hire? If if we're looking at it objectively, is that a good hire?
0: I think that after see, I was I was in your boat about the whole is Sam Pittman really a good hire thing, but after talking to K Rich, like you know, um, twenty four seven Sports rated Sam Pittman is the number one recruiter in the country, so he's he should be able to to recruit athletes just fine. That's not he, true, by the way. What he you that, don't think he's the, he's he's the best recruiter in the country?
1: No, they the best recruiter in the country is Brian Hartline at two four seven. It's Brian Hartline. He won Recruiter of the Year.
0: Maybe Pittman won it for ESPN then. I know somebody rated him the number one recruiter in the country. And, like, if you look at the offensive lineman that he brings in every year, I think that it's definitely a fair case to be made. Like, he had – I know he had two. I think it was, he had three offensive linemen go in the first round of the draft, which is that, – that speaks for itself. And, you know, I just – I think that, you know, after talking to K. Rich, I really like Sam Pittman. He just talks about guys wanting to play for him. And look, a big part of coaching is just motivating players, and it sounds like that's something he's going to be good at. The other thing that I like about him is like when I heard, <clears throat> when I heard he was an offensive line coach, and he he coached with uh, with Bielema. You know, when you think back to the Bielema days, I don't think you can win anymore running a, a pro style offense. No, just like you, you, just you can't. And so that was kind of my first thought. But then he brings in Bryles, who's not going to run a pro style offense. You know, we're going to spread it out, throw it which I seeing that kind of gave me a little more hope. He brings in uh Barry Odom, who's going to be a good defensive coordinator. So I, I'm very optimistic. I wouldn't say I'm all in, but I'm definitely very more optimistic now than I was when I first heard the name.
1: Can't wait to win five.
0: Look, man, if, if he can win, you know, four <laughs> games this year, I think people are going to be happy.
1: That's so sad. That is so I, I sad.
0: Know. I know it is, you know, it's, but it's just – that's where we're at right now with Arkansas football, you know. And look, like, it's a long road to get back. Like, it's – like, you don't build football programs overnight. You Darryl just McFadden don't. Darren
1: McFadden isn't walking through that door. That's all I'm saying.
0: He's not. You're right. It would be nice if he would, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so – I'm
1: glad I got my Arkansas hate off. I appreciate so it. It's all good,
0: man. You know, one of these days – Ohio State is gonna struggle. It's gonna happen. They've
1: never, ever, ever struggled, literally in the history of their football program. They've never had a
0: downside ever. Man, it's gonna happen. <laughs> like, like they're, they're just too—they're too good. They're too—they—they're in
1: a—they're the number one team in the north, and they recruit national. There's just no way you can—you yeah. can stop that.
0: The only way that you know Ohio State has a bad year is if somebody gets hurt. Like that's that's really the only way I see them having a bad year, which obviously like I do not hope that that happens. I don't want that right. to come off like like I hope somebody gets hurt. Yeah, I don't think it did. Yeah, I just <laughs> hey, just, just gotta be sure. But okay, I I think that that's it. I don't have anything else. Go Hogs! Woo pig! Go Hogs, baby! Woo pig! Suey.
1: <laughs>
0: what, what do you guys What do you guys say for the Buckeyes? I mean, like, you uh, guys, like, okay, that's that's one thing. Like, like, let's be honest here. The Woo Pig Sui chant is definitely something we got going for us down here. We got OHIO. The O-H-I-O.
1: We got OHIO. Uh, Ooh, you
0: can spell your name. That's cool. That's it's good, yeah, man. You
1: guys don't even say real words, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least we can spell real words. That's good. You guys, Woo and Sui, I don't even know what that means. I'm sure you do, but.
0: Hey man, look. No, you I grew, don't. You don't know what that means. I. I mean, I. I grew up in Tennessee. I. I, I think it's a hog call, to be honest with you. I. That's, I think that's what it is.
1: And we have a. Uh, we have go bucks. Real simple. That's good. Everybody okay. knows what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what, I, what. What I'm about when I say go bucks.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: But yeah, I mean, we're not in. We're not in it for the gimmicks. We're not in it for the slogans or the sayings. We're in it for the titles, and we're in it for for 10 win seasons and 11 win seasons. And uh, if you and ever – if Ohio State ever loses at home to a, a team like Sandy San Jose State, I will I will donate a million dollars to the charity of your choice.
0: Dude, <laughs> I really hope that something happens this year and they – I don't know who you guys are playing in the non-conference. We but. open up
1: with Bowling Green. If they lose to the Bowling Green on in the first week of the season, uh, you set the terms – Anyone can set the terms. I'll let I'll let anyone set the terms. I'll let my worst enemy set the terms. If they lose the the Bowling Green, I'll do it.
0: Okay, sounds good. You you got to give me some, some time to think on that. It sounds. Don't I mean, think look, too hard because it's I'll, not happening. It's not gonna happen. I probably well look, man. It's quarantine season. I don't have anything else to do. I might as well <laughs> come up with something, right? Like there's there's no sports on. So I right, I think that's it. So it's great. I think this this episode's great. I, I think it was really good.
1: I do, too. No, another banger.
0: Oh, absolutely fantastic. Okay, speaking of bangers, last thing seriously, give me your opinion on Drake's uh, demo tape that he dropped because I, I know you love Drake, so I, I got to ask.
1: I mean, you just put a bunch of Lucys on there, a bunch of throwaway tracks, and then a couple new songs, and then you just go, like, number one. Like, that's all. Like That's what he it's does. Hard. Like, it's just It's just amazing. Uh, anything he drops, it turns to gold. Uh, he's got the Midas touch. So, yeah. <laughs> Drizzy guy, OVO season, it's coming. He's got an album on the way. I talked to him yesterday. There you uh, go. <laughs> but no, it's. It, I like it. I think. I think he. It's hard for Drake to put out a bad project.
0: I agree, 100%. Okay, dude, this episode has everything. We talk a, a lot. Some football, some basketball, some some baseball stories in there. We're talking music. We just do everything, man. That's just kind of how it is.
1: We're evolving.
0: We are evolving. All right, so that's gonna do it here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You know, follow follow me and Zach on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. I think that'd be cool. Throw out your ZG22, uh, your handle. ZG twenty two
1: ZG twenty two underscore MVP on Instagram.
0: Gray twenty two on Twitter. There you go. So I'm I'm Zack.
1: for those by th- not an oh, H. Yeah. My name is spelled Z a c k. That's that's G-R-A-Y. important. E r a y. That is important. Don't spell my name with an H. I will not like it very much.
0: <laughs> so uh, you guys know me, uh, J Schmidt underscore four on both. That's two Ts at the end. Uh, And follow and like the podcast because this podcast is absolutely fantastic. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Um, We should hopefully have another episode out at some point this week. So thank you guys for, for tuning in.